Welcome to the Mead Podcast. I'm Tom, the founder of Gosnells. And I'm Will, the head brewer here at Gosnells. This is our podcast where we are going to be chatting about all things mead and booze. Uh, each week we take a, either a mead enthusiast or a mead maker and we sit them down to a bunch of questions about why they love mead. Uh, so yeah, so thanks to everyone who's spared some time for that, uh, from their busy schedules. I know everyone in the mead world is super busy at the moment. Yeah, and thanks everybody for their continued support over the last uh, God, couple of years now. So hen- entering into the fourth season of the mead podcast. Fourth season. So thank you all for your support. And uh, Well, yeah, let's just get into it. Let's go. Hi, Will. Well, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm oh, good. We are uh, back, here another, um, back here for another. Back here for another. We're not going to talk about the weather uh, for once. Uh, we are joined by Billy from Lost Cause Media in sunny San Diego. Yeah. How are you, Billy? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Yeah, good. What time is it there? Is it first thing in the morning? Uh, Eight a.m. Yeah. Okay. So oh, that's good. That's it's a nice time. Um, yeah. So we like to start with a bit of introduction. So do you want to tell us a bit more about yourself, Billy, and, and a bit more about Lost Cause and and how you, how you all came about? Yeah, uh, so I started Lost Cause with my wife, Susanna. Um, we'll be celebrating four years of business in November this year. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so, and in, in metery times, that's like 40 years. So we're, yeah. we're pretty old now. <laughs> uh, we, uh, I think like a lot of, meadery owners we we started making meat at home where we were uh or i i brewed beer at home before made any mead uh brewed for a long time and then tried my first batch of mead kind of fell in love and um started taking it pretty seriously and and had a lot of fun and, and Suzanne and i looked at each other and we're like oh, maybe we could you know make a run at this and uh we did and kind of haven't looked back it's been great yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, like the, the right weather conditions for, for yeah. a mead session. I reckon I, I can so. sit it's, on uh, It's mead season it. all year round, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Rather than two months a year. Like, yeah. Anyway. So um, what sort of styles do you guys make? Um, you know, sort of uh, give us a little bit of an idea of, of what you've kind of built there. So we, we do a bit of everything. And it, it's a little different than how we started when, when uh, we first opened. I was making pretty much all uh, off dry to semi-sweet uh, carbonated meads. And they were, it, it was, I was trying to kind of create the perfect drinkable mead for San Diego. Um, something that was pretty complex and flavorful, but still um, not too heavy, uh, kind of approachable. And we did that for the first couple of years. And then I, I started kind of branching out and getting into much bigger, uh, kind of more intense desserty meads. And then on the other side, going uh, more sessionable, light dry meads and everything in between. And then now we're doing, you know, 20% fortified meads all the way down to like 4% session meads and every level of sweetness and, and every level of uh, intensity and, um, you know, all different yeast strains and ingredients and weird stuff like mushrooms. And so, it's kind of been fun. Um, yeah, cool. We've done a lot of weird things, and and I I don't see us stopping. It's just too much fun. <laughs> That's cool. And so, is most of it going to you? You've got a tasting room there um, and a retail outlet. Yeah. So we we've really only done uh, sales through tasting room and online. Uh, we haven't really done any distribution, and and that's why we get a 
keep making weird stuff and not yeah. really have to make, yeah, yeah. make it twice. Um, and, and it's been great in San Diego, you know, you, you can, you can do that for a while because there's a, a good population here, of, uh, people that like to spend money on alcohol and we're, we're close to the city. So we can fill our tasting room in. We actually have two tasting rooms now. So the place we started is now a, um, satellite tasting room and we moved into a, a bigger space. And so we're, we're, yeah, selling out of two nice tasting rooms. We've, uh, we have food in both and kind of a, another partner in the original one. We partnered with a cidery in our mm-hmm. current one we're right next to a brewery. So we're just kind of doing that model. It's, it's been great. I mean, eventually I think we'll, we'll be looking to do distribution to, to, you know, continue growing, but right now it's awesome. That's yeah, cool. That, that, yeah. that, that's the life, right? Like uh, just being able to do little things and punch it out and see people taste through it and get that idea. Like it's kind of the dream, I think. Yeah. Like that's that's what I'd love to to do every single day, day in, day out. But uh, there we go. We got to just make the core range well and just keep the keep the handle turning. Just crank it, out that it. mass market. I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy refining a recipe and, yeah. and nailing it down every single time. But there's something about the creativity that does draw you in. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> so like, just let's jump straight into the meat of it. Like you talk about doing lots of different things. I'll turn that a little bit around on its head and take that sort of wealth of experience and go, if you had to choose one honey, to sort of uh, to run everything on or, or one, yeah, let's start with one honey. What would be that honey that you would just go, okay, if I had to choose one, I'll put it across everything and I would love it each way. Yeah, um, so I'm a big fan of uh, dark kind of intense honeys, um, honeys that most people probably wouldn't um, associate with honey, That the kind of honey that they put on you know, food, toast, whatever it's, um, but to me, those intense honeys, uh, can be so amazing in mead in traditional meads, um, when paired with fruit, all that. So there's an, there's a honey here. Um, it's a, a buckwheat honey, but oh. it's, it's a West coast bu- buckwheat honey. So it's actually a different, um, it's a whole different species than the the buckwheat you'd find, say, in uh, most of uh, the states here, and I'm not sure um, what kind of buckwheat uh, you guys would, would get over there or are used to, but yeah, normally... We, yeah, we get a lot of uh, European buckwheat honey here. There's not really a lot of buckwheat in the UK, is there? Not that I've come across. No, the, when I bought buckwheat... Sorry, when I bought buckwheat flour, it's not. It's generally not UK. Yeah, and like so. I get a lot of buckwheat honey in Slovenia. That comes from like Romania yeah, and Bulgaria, yeah. and yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that buckwheat is uh, it's cultivated buckwheat, very similar to what most of the buckwheat is here. It's um, cultivated buckwheat. It's very dark, uh, kind of tastes mm. like a barnyard, right? Like a, a wet horse yeah, blanket. Yeah. Super fun. Got a bit of funk to it, a bit of depth yeah. as well, and. Uh, so the, the buckwheat on here on the West coast is different. It's a wild buckwheat, um, and different species of plant, but still called buckwheat. And it's amazing. It's like all the, um, complex caramel and, and molasses and toffee notes of the other buckwheat, but without any of the funk. So it's just, okay. it's really nice. Um, and you can use it. It stands up to a lot of things, but doesn't overpower fruits and spices and so i think that would be my it has been kind of my go-to honey for most stuff 
Yeah, cool. So yeah, and you'd find that that to be quite um, universal across lots of different things as well. Because that's one of the honeys that people are like, you know, same as like head the honey or something like that. It's a very dis- distinct flavor profile. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting yeah. that, yeah, that's one of those ones from there that's very different to the buckwheat I know where I'm like, well, I kind of, I'm, yeah. I, I'm scared to use that as a full ferment at, at, at the best of times, you know, even if it's a traditional where I'm trying to showcase it, I'm like, mm. oh, that buckwheat is, it's quite punchy. Yeah, yeah. This stuff is not, this stuff you can do 100% Western buckwheat and uh and it's just it's delicious it doesn't doesn't know it's really cool i have to get my hands on some that sounds no, sick that sounds cool that does sound cool um and so is there any are there any particular honeys that you've not worked with that you've you've been dying to get your hands on i mean i've well i i say i've just bought a batch just got james to put on a batch of that manuka honey yeah, uh which was uh which was one of the things i wanted to take off yeah i never really wanted to ferment <laughs> it i i was kind of one of those like staunch kids with their the hands in their pockets staring at the floor going uh, i thought i thought it tasted all right <laughs> Have you tried it? No, I haven't tried it. Oh, I, I just done, went on holiday for a few days, so I've, oh, kind, of, yeah. I've kind of missed how it came out. Yeah, it's, it's, life carries on with that, Will. Here right. we Sorry, <laughs> um, Billy. So, yeah, back to the question. What honey would you like to try? Is there anything out there that you haven't given a try yet? Uh, there's two honeys I've, I've tasted, but I've never used commercially. Uh, so Italian chestnut honey. Yes. Well, yeah. Awesome. I don't know, I get it, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's got that kind of bitter aftertaste, isn't it? Um, almost, t- it's got this leather sort of mm, like this. Yeah. It's there's no I, nice I, way of putting it, but yeah, like le- yeah. leather's a nice way of putting it. I, I describe it as like it's the leather that or it's the uh, honey you would eat if you're sitting in like an old leather chair in a library, like smoking a cigar, you know, yeah. reading reading an old book. Like it's just that honey. That's that's what it is. It's awesome. Yeah, we've had a jar sat here for a little while and I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do with it because it's one of those ones again where it's like, Yeah, I think I got it when I was looking to make some sort of Amaro or a honey base vermouth and using the the honey as as more more of the bittering agent. Uh, That project's still... It's there. Yeah, it's still there. Still there. Um, But that's that's, that's a cool one. If you ever want to do an Amaro mead with... um, uh, with other bittering ingredients, let me know. We just finished one and it came out amazing. Um, yeah, like yeah, we've, we've, we've done, done a couple of vermouths where we've done one with uh, <laughs> adding alcohol to it and one with uh, just fermenting really quite high. Yeah, to like 18, well, it was 22. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, just over 20%. And then backing off with the uh, the bittering agents to like 18. Yeah, so using like wormwood and... and uh, Angelica root. Angelica and, root and some bitter orange peel. Yeah, and some other bits as of a bittering right. agent. And that, that worked really quite well, That actually. was cool, yeah. Well, it was we did a little course of people sort of teaching them just about like... Uh, How aroma, to instruct Aromasizing? Yeah, sure. Basically, yeah. we sent them the base and then we sent them a load of um, spices and then let them kind of... We, it was over Zoom during lockdown when no one had anything to do. So we kind of gave them something to do. And uh, it was, it was, it was really fun. fun, actually. It was yeah. really good. And then we yeah. smashed that bottle here quite yeah, quickly. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Oh, Sorry, you, so you were saying you, you'd made... We, <laughs> we're just talking about our own yeah, projects. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> about, no. about your, have you done some stuff with Amari slash Vermeuth then? Uh, yeah, we just, we've only done one batch. Um, and we just bottled it. But we... We did a, um, it's kind of like a cross between a, a, a sweet vermouth and a Campari. Um, yeah. And uh, we use, let's use gentian root and um, uh, rhubarb root as the bittering agents. That's and cool. then like 
bitter orange and saffron and cinnamon and and I'll uh, cardamom a bunch of stuff. It came out. I I really like it. I we'll see what. Yeah, it's like yeah. yeah. It's a profile that you can't. You either love or you don't, right? Right, right. It's. I've made quite a few meads where I'm like, this is the greatest mead I've ever made, and then everyone in the taste room is like, please never serve that to me again. Oh yeah, I was serving that mojito, that mojito mead to someone the other day, and they did not like it. And I, you know, you just like you have to just tell them they're wrong. So I'm, yeah. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, know, I know you can't be wrong, but but you are in this case very wrong. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before that you've done some fortified meads. I would love to hear more about that, as that is that has been on my list of things yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, you for about this. The other years. thing I want to know, just in that same question, is the other honey that you said you oh, wanted sorry, to, yeah. to uh, oh, oh. make a mead from these uh, tastes as well. Uh, 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 now I'm going to forget the name. It's from Chile. Um, what's the name it'll come to me mid-conversation yeah. a little later but it's a um it's a uh very popular honey in chile and uh, my brother-in-law is from chile and he brought some back last time he was there and it's just like a explosion of incense almost the aroma is just like oh like frankincense and myrrh and and just crazy stuff i was i was uh i was really impressed i'd love to make i've never had a meat made out of it so i wanted to try yeah, 100. that's the same way as you get yeah. always get. As soon as somebody gives me some kind of sugar form, a taste, and I'm like, mm, mm, what was this taste what's, like? What's this going to taste like? Either yeah. in meat or fermented on its own. Yeah, yeah. It's a good mindset to have. Uh, but for the, the fortified meats, I'll, I, it's, once you get into fortifying, meat, fortifying meats, um, it's kind of addicting. It, it's just so much fun Brilliant. because you can, Take a mead at any stage and just uh, stop it. Yeah. Stop it and then bring it up to like 20%, 22%. And then suddenly it's almost like uh, invincible, right? You, you can leave it out, you can let it oxidize and it, it doesn't ruin it. It just gets more interesting. You can uh, do all sorts of weird stuff to it and you just have this kind of invincible mead that uh, just builds character because. You know, it's a lot harder to oxidize a a twenty percent really sweet beverage. Nothing's going to grow in it. You know, there's so you don't really have to worry about a lot of things, and it just makes it kind of fun. Um, one of the things, one of the projects we did is I bought a bunch of uh, grape brandy, and we would do all these little experiments of like traditional meads using different yeast, whatever. And I filled up a um, a 50 gallon drum with enough brandy so that by the time the drum was full, it would have equaled like a 20% uh, ABV mead if, if I was filling it with like standard strength mead. And so every experiment we do, whether it was a gallon or five gallons or, you know, 20 gallons, uh, at the end, because I, I would have nothing to do with it, I would just pour it in the drum. And so after <laughs> like a year and a half, I had this like Frankenstein mead of a fortified traditional with, you know, like eight different honeys and all these different yeasts. And it was just fun. And then suddenly it's full and you, you taste it. You're like, oh, that's, that's pretty yeah. awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. They're the best projects to have in the brewery. Yeah. We, got, we got one on at the moment, which is, it's only like a, about six gallons for you guys in, in one of the things where we've taken some of the vintage and some of the other honey from different things. And they were just sort of lying around in, in five liter demijohns. And I was like, 
well, what happens if we just mix them all together? I need I need the little demijohns. I, I'm not going to bottle them because they're only about right. three per bottle. So rack them off and and put yeah. them all into this one thing. And had a smell of it the other day, and just going like, I can actually pick out each individual honey in there and each little oh, ferment cool. and. It's just uh, called the Brewer's Blend, and it's just—it's not even for drinking. It's just kind of like it's just a, a fun little thing, thing to, to do. do. And the, the other but, one, which I've really enjoyed, it is the vinegar. We've we've got a vinegar yeah, pot yeah. on the go, just to, and the mead vinegar. Is yeah, so, so whatever, good. whatever doesn't either doesn't work out, or we have a little yeah. bit more of, and it's just like no, just put it put it into the barrel of the vinegar, barrel and vinegar. and uh, it'll yeah. it'll always come out good. Oh, that's awesome! I have to try that. I've never done the vinegar. Wow. it works super well yeah it works really well it tastes a bit like you know apple cider vinegar but yeah. obviously a lot a lot more honey flavor and it's I mean, because we're putting in semi-sweet product yeah it? it's true it's true um we i use it all the time at home i'd like yeah just, it's one it. of my flavor you know and, and because we use a lot of the citrusy the tarragon's really yeah, like prominent true. in the vinegar as well so it's it's really cool i never really had uh vinegars that are flavored with you know adjuncts and stuff like that and just by by chance by chance yeah and it's uh yeah it's great i absolutely love it sorry so bring it back to you guys we know so much so you've got the mead geek society do you want to tell us a bit more about that and how that came about and what that looks like yeah uh so um i really enjoy uh talking about mead with people that appreciate it enjoy you know um educating people i've i've done a lot of um different classes and and tonight actually is the last night of a online um, need course I'm doing at UC San Diego. Um, and it just, to me, it's a lot of fun to talk me with people that really geek out about it. So early on, um, we started this group and it was basically, it was, I was burnt out on working behind the bar when we first opened and explaining me to everyone for the first time, you know, everyone's hearing about for the first time and you're going through all those weird questions about what it is and then when I would get someone that was like oh yeah I make mead you know and, and this is amazing and then we'd talk for like half an hour about it um, I would always really enjoy that so so we started a group and just like hey any um, uh, people that either just love mead or they make mead and want to get better at it whatever uh, just meet fans in San Diego. Um, let's meet up. We'll do bottle shares and we'll kind of hang out. Uh, and it's turned out great. We'll have um, different guest speakers, you know, maybe talk a little bit of like kind of like what you guys are doing with me and chat about mead. And then we'll spend the second half of the meeting um, just doing a giant bottle share. And a yeah. lot of times we'll collect the group. We, we used to before the, the pandemic, we'd be getting between 50 and 80 people. Wow. Um, so we'd all like kind of collect, everyone would pitch in, we'd get money, end up for, end up with a, you know, $300. And then we'd uh, put that towards a big mead buy. And so for the next meeting, we had all this mead to share. Uh, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. It's amazing, it, yeah. It's made almost everyone, including me, better mead makers because you're tasting things mm. that, you wouldn't normally, you know, get the taste and, you know, it's, it's inspiration and you're getting ideas. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. We talk That's about cool. that here yeah. as well, you know, doing this for that exact reason, we may not yeah. be able to do some tastings all the time, but we do do some when we have a little bit of availability, but being sort of stuck away from that, you know, uh, you know, being here, you know, being only one of, of a few meteries in the UK, 
you know, trying to get as much in as we can to be able to sort of diversify the palate and yeah. and get inspired by what other people are doing, whether it's home brewers or, or professional brewers. Like no, and I really like that kind of community aspect. And I think we do. We've got like a small batch program, so we we have subscribers and we we make something special each month and we you know can it and send it out to them. Yeah, and we talk but about I, the recipes, about the recipes and how we developed it. But I really like the idea of. of bringing people together around the mead well we wanted to yeah. you know and that was that was one of those next steps for us as well is drawing you know those people in yeah. and, and and creating a base of them and and we always talk about you know that the better that we teach people to bake mead the better mead they they expect and the better we make mead. Yeah. you know so it's a full yeah. circle and, yeah. and it's it's looking after your community as well you yeah know? yeah we just have to exactly do that in, in other news yeah we say i same kind of approach with us is the more we can teach people to enjoy mead and, and, and expect great mead, uh, just the better the whole industry will be. And uh, I think that we've, we, we've, we've definitely done that here in San Diego. Um, I need to get back to it. Hopefully not everyone, for, hopefully people didn't just forget about it because we, we had to stop. Yeah, well, that's uh, it. Of course, yeah. You know, and now now we can finally start doing some in-person bottle shares again. That's it. And I think people will come back in droves, you know, like, oh, you know, it's a di it's different, you know. That means you get, you know, less people but more time to talk, you know. But yeah. uh, talking about things that, that improve your mead making, um, going to, like, mead competitions is another thing that we don't really have that much access to. we got some over in Europe, and, of course, we can go over to the States, and but it's hard to do it when not in person. Yeah, it is hard to do it, yeah. But you guys have, you know, done quite well in, in medals, and, you know, how's that sort of feedback, and how do you find that sort of, um, you know, that, that process? So uh, I really enjoy competitions um, because I... It, it was what I was was into as a homemade maker before um, getting started commercially, and um, you know I think a lot of people that start meaderies will you can kind of come out of nowhere and just like hey this is my mead. Uh, a lot of people will will kind of come from the competition circuit. They okay I've been winning a lot of medals now I'm going to open a meadery, and then some people will kind of come from the uh, uh, I've been creating meads that you know there's a huge following now and, and people just love it so i'm gonna i see a viable mm -hmm. business i'm gonna start it i kind of came from the competition route and um it's a lot of fun i will say there's very little um translation between uh, award-winning meads and then meads that will sell really well <laughs> like mm -hmm. just kind of yeah, yeah you know there's we do it and use it as a marketing opportunity as well. So we can kind of um, establish validation. Like, you know, it's, it's hard yeah. enough to get a, a writer to, to care about a meadery owner. But if we say, hey, we've won all these awards, at least they might, you know, read my email, uh, you know, at the, at the very least. So we use it as a little bit for that. Um, but really, I just enjoy learning from it i enjoy judging i think judging means like at the mazer cup is um it's one of the the most fun weeks i have every year because you yeah you cool. i was i was gutted i was meant to go last year and oh. obviously it got cancelled uh i was going to be talking all about pasteurization as well yeah <laughs> so exciting, exciting. anyway yeah and it got cancelled but yeah hopefully so, next so year you, you judge a, a mazer's cup what, what does that sort of look like and and 
how, how is that feedback process? Because like the Mesa Cup, some people talk about it being, you know, sort of hit and miss with with how they feel about you know, entering and that sort of thing. But I always find that feedback that I've seen from people has always been super helpful. Yeah, I mean, it it is the best need competition, I think, that it, that exists. I haven't been to the, um, uh, the European Cup uh, uh, that... Um, I know it's big over there. It's like the other big international competition. Yeah, in, yeah. in Poland, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah, it's usually in uh, Poznan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was last uh, year. Oh, it was last year, yeah. So I haven't been to that one, but the Mazer Cup is, you know, you're always going to have people that um, that get upset with, with something subjective, like, a you know, a judging competition for Mead, and especially with Mead where it's hard to judge because, it, I mean, Mead's the most versatile alcohol on the planet. So um, you know, you're judging something that could be so out there in terms of ingredients and process and things, and you're having to put a number to it. Um, so it's a challenge, but I think the Mazer Cup is the best opportunity to get. Um, it's the best judging you'll get, you know, for your meads and, uh, you know, flaws and all. And it's just, it's just a, it's a fun time, but it is, um, if you can make it to, uh, you know, like the second round of, of judging, especially if you're there um, listening to the judges, I mean, these, these are world-class meat judges and they take it very seriously. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. You, it, it's good to get the feedback. You have to take it in stride because, uh, you know, sometimes you'll get a great judge, sometimes maybe not so much, but um, I think overall they do a fantastic job and, and you just, if you're there and you're judging or you're stewarding and you're, you're getting to try all these different meats from around the world, every time I've walked away, like I had no idea you could even do that with me. Still every year, I just, I'm surprised at what people are doing. So I think it's That's a lot so of, cool. it's a lot of fun. I encourage anyone that could to, um, to make it out there at least once and volunteer. Cause if you volunteer, you get to be part of, you know, the behind the scenes and try all the meads and all that stuff. Yeah, that's cool. You you must get a, a a good chunk of palate fatigue as well. Like me, me can be yeah. quite quite challenging. Quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's there's always it's funny because in the morning they'll we all get together and they're reading out the uh, you know the table assignments like for all the judges and whenever they read out um, you know this is like eight in the morning in in Denver and whenever they read out the judges for the uh, like the sweet traditional category or sweet yeah sweet traditional category. And you just hear the groans like, oh, like, don't start me there, please. You know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it, it it can be a long day. Uh, and I haven't perfected the, you know, sip and then spit technique, which I think I need to. So, yeah. by, you know, five in the afternoon, I'm, I'm pretty hammered. <laughs> with a with a spit technique you know so like you're still for wine and like you just you forget every now and again yeah, just yeah, like, even if you forget one in ten times yeah, you're you're like, to, actually, you know yeah. what i'm yeah. definitely not driving home now so i might as well just drink them all yeah, yeah. yeah. um, um let, let's let's jump on to something that, that that i love and i see you guys play around with as well um like barrels um I, i'd ask questions but just just talk, talk to, to us bit, yeah tell us about barrels, barrels. Just, just about barrels. Uh, it barrels is another thing that once you start, it is you can't stop. There's so much fun. Um, 
I remember we did our first barrel and it was, I was so scared to like fill a whole 50 gallon barrel. And then within six months I had like eight barrels filled. And then now we have, you know, almost 50. Um, and they're just, uh, I mean, I love what barrels can do to meat. I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of barrels that, uh, pair with meat better than any other, beverage. I know that breweries are using all types of barrels and you're starting to see a little bit of that more with, uh, with wine and, um, and other things that are experimenting with like spirit barrels and stuff, but mead, oh man, we have, we have some fun stuff that, um, you know, the residual sugar and the, just the richness and depth of mead can stand up to some of these intense spirit barrels. Um, and make something just beautiful. Like we, we've done a couple uh, in bitters barrels and it's amazing. I mean, it's just intense bitters, but the sweetness stands up to it. So it's just this big, big aroma impact without it being kind of actually bitter in the finished product. Um, mm -hmm. We've done uh, another thing that I think mead handles really well is like peated scotch barrels. Um, we've been doing some yeah. of that, uh, and and we're we're lucky. We have some good distilleries here in town that really love our stuff. So we get a lot of these barrels. Like, you know, the owner of the distiller would just show up like, "Hey, this is the best rum I've ever made. Like, I want you to fill it." Like, okay, that's it. That's good. Yeah, rum cast is one I want to get yeah. my hands on too. Like, we've really had rum 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 staves. Knocking about. Yeah, so and I've been playing around a little bit of rum staves, so I quite like it, but. I, I really love barrel fermenting. Like I, I do love barrel aging and that sort of thing there, but I really love like a good oxygen rich fermentation inside the barrel, mm. pulling in a bit of everything. Like I really like adding a lot of my flavors during primary fermentation and, and driving that forward instead of, you know, cleaning everything up at the end and, and barrel fermentation with that just adds so much character and so much depth. And it's just, Watching, watching honey weeping between the gaps, you know, we used to have to go there and whack some clothes and I'm looking at it going, it's just sealing itself. We just fill it full of honey and it just seals up and it weeps from the side and it looks gorgeous. And all I want to do is just, just dip at yeah. it and eat it. And they're yeah. just, they're just a beautiful little specimen, mm. but um, it, you're of, right. What kind of barrels do you use for primary fermentation? So well, I, we run out of fermentation space. So we just, we, start, we started just, fermenting in the barrels because yeah well it's also I, oh yeah so there's a there's an yeah, idea I, I, the I really i really like that we we, we do have the space it's just <laughs> right. certain things like it all started with a recipe that we did for the boucher which you know we've done in we've done in um um you know anaerobic environments and we've done in aerobic and the aerobic just gives it a little bit more of that sort of almond character and it picks up a little bit more of of like this this depth in in like almond walnut but it also gives this like depth in in uh tannin structure that you don't get from either you know brewing in stainless steel and then um doing stave additions afterwards or barrel aging afterwards it's this really soft tannin that runs through and when we sort of were playing around with that and running it running it over and over and over again and changing the woods allowed us then to start playing around well changing the woods and changing what was inside the barrels and changing the size of the barrels as well was giving me more uh, variability than I would have just playing around with the yeast and and things like that what I didn't want to do I like the yeast profile I like the honey profile when it's when it's a boucher it's quite the honey takes a second you know sort of you know second seat and the wood allows you to have another little you know way of changing things and, and developing it 
And um, we ended up doing one that was in a, a plum sake. So we gave out one of our barrels. We got a local sake producer here, just a stone's throw away. And he, he was like, oh, do you mind if I put a plum sake? And I was like, yeah, if you do, but don't rinse it out. Send it back to me and let me brew over the top of this, like this really rich and 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 a little bit of umami and this sort of like a little bit more pruney than than plum. And it was the best boucher I think we've ever made. And and oh, I'm no. kind of sad that I'll never be able to kind of recreate oh, no. well, it again. That is all the best things in life are transient, but, fleeting. Well, no, that's it. And we we use a lot of American oak because it's cheap. Um, you know, like I we do get a lot of uh, French oak. Um, I'd like to use some Slavonian got, oak and got a bit of French oak. Yeah, haven't we we still got that big big barrel as we get rid of. Yeah, that. no one there's like this one's been run now. I don't think I got it in 2014, 2015. So it must have been run. So I think I've run maybe 10, 15 batches through the one barrel. And yeah. it's still it's still a bit there. It's, it's still just like giving and giving and giving. Oh, and I don't I don't know what like I just want to keep going until just to see what happens. Like when's it yeah. going to produce a bad meat? I also, you know, we don't you know, it's a bit of a solera now as well you know like we we rinse out with hot water but don't ozone or steam or anything like that and just kind of let it you know give it give it the best you know opportunity to to out survive anything in there but mm. it's uh it's a beautiful little barrel i have to name it properly now yeah well, there we go sorry yeah. billy we've we just ended up talking to you about barrels as opposed to that now i want to do that i want to i haven't fermented in a barrel before so oh dear it's 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 great it's great it's, it's really good yeah it's really good they provide something genuine like actually different you do notice the difference um, yeah yeah because we, we did do a few trials of just fermenting on top of staves and like just using staves in that primary fermentation where everything's sort of moving and you, you got that natural convection yeah. and you can you can really really pull a lot out in a short period of time that's that's delicate and, and nuanced. Yeah, nice. picky yeast though, picky yeast, something that uh, that likes a little bit of oxygen and yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, con conscious of time, we normally keep these about forty minutes, so I'm just gonna we got one one more question which we always finish on, which is looking a bit more towards the future. Uh, what are you guys excited for, and what what pl plans have you got coming up? And and tell us a bit more about what's in store. So uh, we, what do we have coming up? We're, well, we're reopening like officially now without any restrictions in both our taste rooms. So that'll just be nice to- That's exciting, yeah. yeah. That's, that's fantastic. So yeah. Our new tasting room and production facility, like this is now our, our headquarters. Um, we, we put a lot of money into it and we were so stoked on, on how it looked and the design and everything. And we had the uh, grand opening set for um, uh, last week in March, 2020. Ooh, and so yeah. we did not time that right. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's been open now, like, you know, sometimes actually closed, but only open for it to go. And then sometimes kind of open, but 50% capacity, but it's been open uh, for over a year now. And we've never been able to see it like filled with people and people sitting at the bar. Um, so that'll be fun to finally get crowds into this facility that we spent so much time and money on. Um, so that'll be nice. We're, uh, we're doing some experimenting with, um, it's not quite, cause we have a wine license. We can, you know, do anything under the, the wine uh, umbrella. And so we're starting to experiment with some um, naturally sparkling fruit wines cool and, oh, that's really cool yeah you know a lot of fruit wines here i don't know how 
they are over there in the states they're usually when you say fruit wines they're just like these sweet horribly made you know uh have you seen shit's creek that's what i think yeah, seen, yeah that's yeah, what i think yeah. of when i think of fruit wine sorry right, yeah. right. i say i grew up in like not grew up but uh, my family's eastern european so fruit wines are actually like yeah there's quite a, revered there's and, a thing. And, and the schnapp side of it distilling yeah. that there's there's quite a lot of respect in it but yeah, yeah. coming in australia and yeah. here as well it's yeah let's just pump a whole lot of sugar, sugar in there and see where we get to. put a little bit of gin on the top of it because it tastes so bad you know right. like <laughs> right yeah yeah so we want to do like no, no sugar added like you know let's make a, a pomegranate wine and then bottle condition it and so something you know a little lower abv than a regular wine but fun naturally sparkling um you know still big and fruity and uh and so that's been kind of fun experimenting with that because i haven't done a lot of bottle conditioning and uh yeah cool kind of yeah that process uh and then outside of that we are um we're just planning to kind of expand the the range of um the meads we're making and we're doing a lot more um uh, fortified meads that i want to start experimenting with uh different aging processes like you know i want to fill some barrels and put them out in the, the san diego sun and see if I can get kind of like a Madeira character out of yeah. it. You know? So, so yeah, it. so that's, that is interesting. So I remember the only Madeira type thing was what I got was when I left a load of bottles in the pasteurizer for like two days in the bath pasteurizer. I'd forgotten about them. Oh yeah. And so they were like 60 degrees for three, two or three days. And they came back and they were all kind of almost caramelized. They were nuts. That's cool. Yeah. Cause yeah. you'd just be pushing that, mate. Oh, well, we don't it really wasn't have, that, we, mate, we don't have, wasn't quite there, have but proteins. sorry, yeah, that, sorry. That, was my, that was an aside. Um, that's that's yeah, really cool. That's but, a cool idea. Yeah. Um, with those fortified meads, are you looking to create them as like an over ice thing or are you talking about, you know, mix them with like a spritzer? Like how's that sort of that, that process, like that sort of final where you see that drink going? Kind of like you would um, a, uh, just like like drinking a port or um or you know a nice really nice sipping wine or spirit we i mean we've had a lot of people um we had a uh, a cherry and almond um fortified meat which was our first one and a lot of our customers would you know mix it with some bourbon put it on the rocks and enjoy it but um i just like so many people are making these big intense meads that are really meant to be sipped and so i just want to push that as far as it can go if you're going to make a sipping mead like let's make a a a really um intense mead that you need to like sit there and and for a half an hour and really contemplate and enjoy and so that's kind of what um, i'm trying to do with these is just you know if you're gonna if we're gonna make something big and intense let's let's go all the way and kind of extreme and and, and then yeah. you can dial your way back down, but you know, yeah, you, can, yeah. you got to find your limits, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's only, you know, a very small part of what we make, but I, I've been kind of enjoying the, the ideas coming from these projects. Yeah. That's, no, cool. that's cool. Especially working with different maturations as well and given a different, a different mindset of doing those sorts of things. And, and you're going to, you're going to stumble across something that you, you're never the same as we did with yeah. the barrel fermentation. Like it's just, you'll stumble across something during that process. You know, you run out a little bit of fermentation space and you're like, 
okay, cool. Let's, yeah. let's put it into the barrel. And then you're like, yeah. oh, actually, you know what? That's that's now how we do this. this is the best best that we've done, you know. And yeah. it's those little surprises that the meat industry throws up, you know. Mm. Like it's it's one of those underdeveloped and under you know researched industries that allows you to to stumble across these things quite organically, which is oh, there's think, still so much that that need that will be done, you know, that people haven't uh, at, at the commercial level haven't even played around with I yeah I totally agree and it'll be exciting to see um, what you know the the people that are pushing kind of the boundaries what what keeps coming out over the next you know five ten years in the meat industry yeah that's it I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it wow. hopefully by that stage I'll be able to get around and, and do some more tasting oh, and get off this island yeah, yeah a, little <laughs> bit, a little bit yeah getting a little bit of a island fever but yeah. Billy, thank, thank yeah, you so thanks much, so much for, for your time. For it's getting been, up. And, yeah, and... I apologize. We've just been, uh, we've, we've missed each other. Will's been on holiday, so yeah, this yeah. is our first time back in the office together. So we've I can been... see, I can see they've all, they've all got a bit weird while I was away. They're oh. all clicky and, and I have to, I have to start separating them and, and, and break down these, these beautiful little connections they've made. Yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> Sorry, Billy, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I right. really appreciate it. Take care. Good thank luck you. and uh, yeah, cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that. So hit the subscribe and like button and follow us on all our social media and we'll see you again next week. If you've got any questions or thoughts or just want to chat about mead and honey, then drop us an email to podcast at gosms.co.uk. Or better still, jump on our Instagram and ask us uh, any questions that you have and watch us scramble to try to find the answer and uh, look like we know what we're talking about. Or if you want to see what I look like, you can head on to the website at www.gosms.co.uk.